the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a mute button for that sort of thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hey, you can hear me? Mm-hmm. You can hear me talking? You can't hear now. You can't hear me. So. Wait, I actually don't like that. You can only hear me, you know? It's only me. You're talking and nobody can hear you. But see, it's just me now. And see, that, don't touch my mic. Don't touch my mic. I touched the board. You actually touched the board, didn't you? Feels good. Right, cut I a have finger control. off for that one. Look, cut off a finger. Which finger would you like to lose? Mm, <laughs> anything on my right hand. Okay. All right. Well, uh, welcome into Woods and Water, South Carolina. Um, I'm your host, Roger Metz, and I'm you your are host Taylor Metz. Yes. Yeah. And we're glad you tuned in. It's going to be a good show. We're going to talk to Michael Hook, mm-hmm. who is the Small Game Program Manager for the Department of Natural Resources, uh, with uh, the latest success with quail. <laughs> and he hasn't been on, I think, I looked it up. He hasn't been on like two years. Hmm. He was on in 2016 when they launched the South Carolina Bobwhite Initiative, and he was on two years ago um, to talk about progress. Right. He went up there. So he, he's going to be join us. We'll probably take up. I don't know how long. We, yeah, I don't know how. We, and I'll, I struggle with this, you know, whether to. And I think I've talked. Have I talked about that before? The struggle about how many guests to have on during a show. Mm. I mean, I, some part of me wants to go bang, 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 bang. Four different seconds, four different guests. Mm. But part of me says, "Gosh, when you got somebody like Michael Hook or or another guest, you hate to cut them unless unless the the topic is limited." Right. But with with small game, it's just not. <laughs> we won't get through everything anyway. So anyway, but yeah, Michael Hook's gonna be joining us. Um, Next segment, and we'll just see how long we roll with him. And then you and I'll finish up whatever's left over. Sounds good. The calendar. We actually have part of a calendar. Um, we have a really depressing cancellation. We have a really depressing cancellation, folks. Yikes. It, it's a killer because it's a it's a tradition with us. <clears throat> Not to you say to that it's... You see a bunch of people. You don't get to see... You know, that's maybe like the once a year thing. Well, I mean, it's like... ATA, ICAST, mm-hmm. except it's right here in South Carolina. And it's better than ICAST and ATA as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, our our calendar events is brought to you by Visit Anderson and... Green Pond Landing and Events. That's right. And go ahead. Give us the depressing news first so we can get on and move to other things. Seawee is canceled. Seawee, the Southeastern Wildlife Exposition in Charleston. They have been putting out press releases or, or notes for the past couple months that they were trying their best. Well, read some of it. Don't just throw it away. I can't read it. Yes, you can. I can't read Life it. is full of difficult tasks. It's too depressing. This is a whole, because if you've ever gone to Seaweed, it, it's an opportunity to go to Charleston. Right. Okay, and, and Charleston's a really cool place to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually 
Oh, I don't know. We swing by Shaw Air Force Base or something on the way down, or we rarely we rarely drive the interstates down there. Yep. So there's always something to yeah you know, back road because it's a nice easy drive. And we've all, we've been. I mean, gosh, we used to go so much when I was a little girl. Yeah. I'm like, and we 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 always hit the back road. Yep. And, and you never know what you're gonna find. And we'll spend a day, maybe a day and a half at Seaweed. Mm-hmm. Usually Friday afternoon, maybe some on Saturday. Downtown of Marion Square. Yeah, just kind of hotels, watching all the, over downtown Charleston Place. Yep. Yeah, last year Charleston Place was. Middle Bank Park. It was packed with Porsches and oh, everything out front. I was freaking out. Yes. Like, oh, I'll be famous okay. or something. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss the seaweed hat this year. Uh, but then, but then you go out to Brittle Bank Park with duck dogs and oh, <clears throat> John Irwin teaching you how to fly, fly fish. fish and. All the outfitters and points the, normally out there. the dogs and Sacon Department of Natural Resources, Tomo Trailers already always Good out there. Food. Yeah, gonna miss the food too. You got the, uh, the, all the art galleries and yeah. everything in the Charleston Place, and they've got and some all the food. The birds of prey. Gosh, we're gonna oh, yeah. see birds of prey. That's that, that's that okay. We're gonna Rails. we're gonna have to make sure we go down for one of these photography sessions then, either the owls by moonlight or the birds during the day to see them. So yeah. Seaweed casually of 2020 bleeding over into 2021. What, is it, what do they say? Well, they're bringing it back in 2022. It's the same date, February 17th through the 20th. But they are just, with all the safety protocols and everything, it was just too much. Yeah. So it's sad, but maybe it'll be maybe maybe it'll be even better in 2021 or maybe. 2022. You maybe. never know. You never know. Never know. Never know. I think I covered last time that as of now, the uh, – Pamela's Fortune's Classic still on. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it, it's time. Hey, it's time. It's springtime. Mm-hmm. Hunting season. Deer season's over. You got small game. Okay, don't get depressed on me. I am Small pretty. game. Small <laughs> game season's still in. Bird season, quail season. Uh, turkey season's coming up. But fishing season's coming. Well, it's always, mm-hmm. you can always fish here. But uh, got a little note from the Park Natural Resources. Hey, this might be a good time to... Get a South Carolina boating education course in. Oh. And uh, there's a bunch of them around. January 16th, uh, Samworth, WA, in Georgetown, South Carolina. February 6th, Charleston Sail and Power Squadron. February 13th, Samworth again. February 23rd, Golden Corner Lakes in Seneca. February 27th, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Rock Hill. April 6th, Golden Corner Lakes in Seneca again. And it goes on in April, uh, DNR office in Clemson, the 24th, again in Clemson, the DNR office, and then uh, 24th of April also, Florence DNR office. That's a new office, I think. I think they just redid that one. So, uh, But, yeah, now maybe be a good time to uh, grab that boating safety course and get ready for springtime. I need to do that. Ooh, you do. What you got? Uh, we mentioned this a while back, I think a little bit before Christmas, but uh, South Carolina Wildlife Magazine and Academy have kind of partnered up um, to do kind of like a package deal. So if you subscribe um, to the magazine, you get 10% off or $10 off your next in-store purchase of $50, and that's good through January 15th. Cool. What else you got? Um, SCDU Guns and Ammo Online Raffle. Yeah. Wow. Rugers. <laughs> yeah. This is a... This Plus is, uh, 894 rounds of ammo. 894 <laughs> rounds of ammo. Can wow. somebody want to pop off a few and test so they've what, shot either that in or shot six rounds? 
Well, they shot 106 kind of rounds an, of a case of a thousand. Kind of an interesting thing, but uh, it's fifty dollars a ticket. Only two hundred or two hundred tickets are sold. The drawing is January 11th. And how do people find that? Um, Probably SCDU. Yes, SCDU.org. Yep. All right. Uh, so got that out of the way. Got that out of the way. Um, couple things to keep note on as we end this segment. In Congress, the U.S. Congress in, in Washington, a bill has been introduced, H.R. 8828, the Public Safety and Wildlife Protection Act. Uh, don't let the title fool you. It is to restrict the use of steel jaw leg hole traps and cone bear traps on animals in the United States. Uh, effectively, or very effectively, doing away with... Uh, I mean, they want to restrict it. They actually want to get rid of them. So, uh, uh, trapping, be history. And then in the South Carolina House, uh, the uh, 30 by 30 bill has been introduced. Uh, so there's um, things to keep your eyes out for because they, you never let your guard down when it comes to the outdoors and and the people that want to restrict it or take it away. Um you know, it's just there. So a couple things for you to keep, uh, get involved. There's a lot going on. Keep track on. of them. Yep. A lot to keep your eye out for. Some changes coming and some good changes. Yes, good some, changes. You know, bad changes, but I feel like, yeah, uh, we'll see. Hate seaweed. Gosh, that's a, that's I know. a, that is a, a real kick in the gut. Sorry. Because, I, oh yeah, after, after you get down to Charleston, we always go down to Bear Island. Mm. And, yeah. and go hiking and watch the ducks and. That was a good time last year. Yeah. So. And snipe hunting in past years. Didn't do it last year. So anyway, all right. We're going to talk to Michael Hook, DNR, after the break. Y'all hang with us. We'll be right back. Ninety-four-five WGTK. The answer. This is Matt Dixon with the Max Money Hour right here on your favorite radio station. Tune in this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. That's Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. to hear us talk a little bit about the Social Security income taxation as well as any policies that could change total taxation here in the next upcoming elections. Tune in this Saturday and Sunday, 2 p.m. Or if you're like me and a little impatient, dial us at 864-777-8810. So you've heard me talking about the folks over at Discounted Appliance Warehouse and just how fantastic they are. I'm telling you, if you're in the market for any new appliances, and I mean any appliance, then you need to reach out to Jeff and his team. Joey Hudson here. Don't be fooled by those big box stores. Oftentimes, they'll keep you waiting for weeks or months with an estimated shipment arrival date. That's not how it works at Discounted Appliance Warehouse. As one of South Carolina's largest new appliance dealers with over 1,200 new appliances in stock, They have whatever you want in stock right now. That means you can buy your new appliance and be using it the same day. You can't beat that. You also can't beat their low prices and high level of service. They self-service everything they sell and provide extended warranties on top of the manufacturer's warranty. Whether you're looking for washers and dryers, refrigerators, stoves, dishwashers, you name it, you'll find it at Discounted Appliance Warehouse. Visit the warehouse today in Pickens or Moreland Springs or online at DiscountedAppliancewarehouse.com. That's DiscountedAppliancewarehouse.com. 
If you want even more insights, commentary, and answers on everything happening here in the upstate and across the nation, tune into the all-new Answer Podcast Network, featuring more in-depth analysis from your favorite national hosts, as well as expert local insights on finances, faith, health, and more. The Answer Podcast Network is your destination for all the latest news. New episodes are uploaded weekly, so no matter what the question, find the right answer with the all-new Answer Podcast Network. Free online at 945theanswer.com. Yeah, I'm all right. Taylor may not be all right. I'm not all right. <laughs> I'm tired. You're tired. Oh. Tired. Basketball's rough on a young one. Sore. I don't know. i got to give it to college athletes. I don't understand how they can get up in the morning, go to workouts, then go to class for the whole day. Then they got actual practice the night after that. I just I don't understand. I have... It's a drive. Well, but I, I have a drive. I still can't keep myself <laughs> awake during the day. I have right. 7 a.m. workouts and then uh-huh. practice at night. And, it, it, ah, ugh, ugh. And, and getting ready to start dual enrollment. Yeah. Oh, school's really going to jump up and be a player. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, anyway, well, uh, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. As advertised, we are joined um, by, uh, I, I would say, a common connection of bird hunting would make this person a good friend of mine. If he can appreciate that whistle like I do, then he's a buddy. So <laughs> welcome back, Michael Hook, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Well, thank you all for having me. And I, I got to agree with you. Anybody that appreciates that whistle, they, they're a friend of mine. <laughs> And, and on top of that, we're all dog people, too, which makes it even better. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Uh, well, take just a minute. I want you to introduce yourself because it's, I looked up. It's been almost two years exactly since you were on the show the last time. So take just a second, introduce yourself, and then uh, Taylor got a question for you, and then we're going to get off and running. All right. Well, yeah, that, yep. it's hard to believe it's been two years. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, my name's Michael Hook. I'm the small game program coordinator for the state. Um Work with the Department of Natural Resources. Been here 20 years this past December. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's gone by quick. But uh, the small game program, we deal with all the, the oddball stuff, the, <laughs> the rabbits and squirrels, dove, quail, grouse, woodcock, that type of stuff. And, you know, we do a bunch of the private land work as well. So okay. it, within the DNR, that's that's sort of where that's housed. And field trials and shooting preserves, all that good stuff is, is in my shop. So that's. Sort of what I do for in a nutshell. Got your fingers on a lot of things. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and I guess one of those things is South Carolina Bob White Initiative. So explain to us what that is. Yeah, so everybody knows that Bob Whites have been declining for the last forever. Right. Um, you know, it's, we've been marking it since the 60s in, in call counts and all. Okay. Um, but if you, if you go back in time, everybody's complained. About Bob White. I don't know that a, a Bob White hunter has ever said, I think this year <laughs> is the good year. It's, it's always better in the past. Sure. But, um, so we're, we're in South Carolina. We're trying to, to reverse that trend. Um, we, we created the Bob White, uh, initiative and, and we're trying to put, simply put, we're, we're trying to put habitat on the ground. Okay. Um, We've got four focal areas across the state, and we've got a variety of different partners, uh, state, federal agencies that, that are helping us out. Okay. Um, 
we've got public lands where we're trying to do this, and then we're taking farm bill biologists that will work on private lands and do it on private lands as well. So we're trying to change the land. It's a landscape-level approach okay. is what right. it is. So in a nutshell, we're trying to put habitat down, but it's 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 multifaceted. So Gotcha. Bring yeah. back the whistle. That's it. That's <laughs> it. And, and everybody loves that whistle. You know, oh, I, man. We, we get a bunch of calls, and it's not just hunters, you know, It'll be an elderly lady that's in, inherited a piece of property. She'll go, Michael, I don't care anything about hunting, but when I was a kid, we heard Bob White's whistle, and I want to hear that again. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's for a set of folks, that's that's their summertime memory. Oh, they absolutely. That, you know, I don't know that my kid will have that same memory as I do, but, you know, that's what we're trying to recreate. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, here's what we're talking about. That right there. That's it. Okay. One of the most beautiful sounds of the summer. <laughs> Let's listen to it again then. <laughs> well, okay, Michael, what is what is that call? That's the the males whistling. Um, they they're setting up their they're setting up their little territories. They're letting other males know where they are. They're okay. letting the females know where they are. Um, but, yeah, that's that's strictly the males calling okay. in the summertime. Okay. Then what is this one, then? H- help me out with this one. <laughs> that is that is a precursor. Quail make all kind of noise. Yeah, they they got a lot. They're vocal. They make a hundred different noises. Okay, and um, but they that's just one of them that they make talking okay. to each other. Okay, uh, in the fall they make a coily call, and it's it sounds similar to the noise you just played, but a little bit different. Okay, um, what's it called? How do you spell that? What what's K the the common way to spell it is K O I L E E, and it, it's the fall cubby call. It's it's the the cubbies in the mornings. They they'll make that call, and they're they're letting other cubbies in the area know, hey, we're over here. Y'all stay over there. Everybody will be good. Okay. All right. Um, and usually you only hear that right at daybreak in October, November. I mean, if you're sitting in the deer stand, you yeah. can hear it. Yeah. Uh, if you, yeah. If you know what you're listening for, yep. you'll go. Dang, that's what that is. And that, you know, the other the other morning when I was sitting in a deer stand and it was 20-something degrees and the wind was blowing from the north and I was facing it, my knees were burning. They were so cold. And that's just <laughs> simply because it was compressed against the clothes. That's I heard that little peeping and stuff like that, and they were on the ground feeding. That's when I yep. first saw that first call. And, and, you know, it's I guess it's like the smell of Play-Doh. Um, you know, some other thing. When you have heard that call and that noise, in my mind, I was like, there's a covey of quail somewhere. They are here somewhere. That is that is the noise they make. And, yeah, it took me like 10 minutes to find them because of the, this, they were in a section of, of pines that we had clear cut. And so there's some, it, you know, we just did it this year, so there's not a whole lot of ground growth, but there's a lot of piles and, and some scrubby cedar trees and stuff like that so right and they were filtering through all that stuff but i heard that noise i was like there's birds there somewhere they're there yep and you know a lot of folks 
you go out and you'll do a site visit with somebody, and, and they'll go, Michael, where do these quail come from? And I, 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 you, you tell them, look, if you build a habitat, they'll show up, and, yeah. and you can see the disbelief on their face. <laughs> but one of the best calls is when they call you back in a year or two and go, Michael, you won't believe what I heard today. Yep. And, and it's, you know, the quail are surprising little birds. They don't need a whole lot of habitat. But, like I say, when you, you create it, they just use it. Yeah. News, numbers, trends. I mean, what are you guys seeing that since the inception of the initiative? So let's see. Two years ago when we talked, like I said, we had created the four focal areas, and we were just getting started right. probably yep. um, doing a little bit of the habitat work. Okay. So now on several of those um, focal areas, we're seeing some uh, some pretty decent results. So. Okay. We've got two tier of focal areas in the state. We've got a, we've got the one sort of gold star standard one. Um, this the National Bobwhite Conservation Initiative. Um, it, it follows that protocol, which okay. is just a little bit more stringent survey and, and such. Um, but it's over in the Indian Creek area of the Sumner National Forest. They they the Forest Service set aside about twenty five hundred acres to do bird work. And, um, like I said, they did a bunch of thinning and burning and doing some really cool small block burning. Okay. And the birds are really responding over there. So, typically what we've seen on all of these areas is you do the work. The following year, we're, we're monitoring non-game bird species as well. Okay. And those birds show up that very next year. You open it up, buddy, they start using it. Wow. The quail are a little bit slower to move in. Okay. But they do, and that's what we're seeing. We're on year five at Indian Creek. And so our summer whistle counts went from five back in, wow, what was that, 2016. 16, right. We're, we're up to, to 32 males whistling on 12 counts this year. So we're, you're, wow. you're, you're hearing a bunch of birds out there. Um, our fall cubby counts were just as good over there, but, okay. um, Going back to those non-game bird species, yeah. too, uh, just everybody says, well, what happened to the quail? Where'd they go? It can't be habitat. It's got to be fire ants. It's got to be coyotes. It's got to be eye worms. It's got to be whatever it is. But the way we know its habitat is, all these other non-game bird species have the same exact trajectory as oh. whites. So okay. we're talking eastern meadowlarks. Um, wow. Nut hatches, yeah, uh, loggerheaded shrike, you know, Bachman sparrow. They, you can lay a loggerhead shrike population graph on a bobwhite's graph, and I mean, it looks almost identical. And it's 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 habitat driven. They use the same habitat. I mean, whippoorwills. You used to hear a lot of more yep. whippoorwills mm-hmm. back in the day. You don't hear them nowadays. The habitat's gone. They're using the same habitat as quail. So, you know, it, it's like I say, it's it's not affected just quail when we do this work it's affecting the whole suite of species that that use these areas so taylor you can but, you can attest to the 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 other game birds using the habitat can't you yeah hard to deer hunt when the when every all those birds are running through all that mm-hmm. egyptian wheat <laughs> boy i tell you egyptian wheat bobs and all but you perk up you're like oh yeah uh, hey, just another female cardinal <laughs> yep, yep. Surprising how much noise and commotion those birds can make. <laughs> Absolutely, but you're right. It's it's we've noticed a real per, 
a real pro- proliferation. <laughs> we got to get that one out there. Um, of birds. I mean, just all. I mean, there, there's a little green bird that may be an inch and a half long. I don't know what it is. Do you have any idea what that is? It's like a light greenish color. I it's real small. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, to that, to the nuthatches, to you know, the cardinals, the blue jays, um, the towies. You know, they're just they're all in that stuff. Mm-hmm. And if they're in it and picking seeds off of it, you know, the quail are in there picking the seeds off of it too. That's it. That's it. You know, early on in our our survey, you'd walk to because we survey particular. Hang on, hang on, Michael. We're, we're, I think we're getting into a good, a good one. I don't want to break you off in the middle. So let's go to a break right quick. Okay. Come back and we'll pick it up right there and, uh, and forge on ahead. You're listening to Woods and Water South Carolina. Got Michael Hook on talking about some quail and, and, and habitat in general. So y'all hang on. We'll be right back after the break. Goodness gracious, get a bit there's, a mute, there's a mute button here for your thing. If you, well, I wouldn't know because you don't let me touch the board. I don't touch, there's a reason I don't let you touch the board. <laughs> well, I, I hated to cut, cut Michael off, but I could tell as soon as he started talking, and this, I, the, what he was going to talk about was going to take more than the time we had left in the segment. So, sorry about that, Michael. Uh, but, but, but pick up right where you left off. Go ahead. That's all right. I get excited talking birds and bird dogs, so <laughs> it, it goes. Uh, yeah. But, no, what I was going to say was, you know, early on in our, our surveys, you would go to these particular points, and, you know, you'd be in the full forest situation, and it would just be deathly quiet. You'd be listening for the allotted time, and you'd be going, man, there's just no birds calling. And everybody thinks you're in the woods, there's wildlife everywhere, but... It's not necessarily the case. And then fast forward a couple of years where you thin the woods. Okay. All of a sudden you've got birds going everywhere and you're listening for a particular five or six birds and you're going, <laughs> all right, birds, quiet. Y'all be quiet so I can hear these other birds. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's amazing the difference in the amount of wildlife that, that oh. show up in oh, these yeah. areas. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, so, we noticed that when, when, Thin hardwoods, and now with thin pine trees again, you, it's just—it's amazing, and it, it is. It's loud. It, it really—I mean, when it gets cold, it's not as loud. But buddy, I tell you, October, November, when you're out there, either walking around or sitting in a deer stand or whatever—I mean, it, it's noisy. It's noisy. It is. And, it it, is. and you mentioned something about when you're listening for five or, or four or five specific birds, tuning your ears. To pick out a certain sound amongst all the others, it, it can get really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a well-versed birder. Um, I do enough to get by for these surveys. Sure, but we, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll take some folks out with us occasionally, and and 
our non-game bird biologist, Amy Tegler, is just amazing. I mean, <laughs> what she hears and what I hear is just two vastly different things. <laughs> and, I mean, she's just constantly naming different birds, and I'm going, right. wait a minute, slow down, go, yeah. stop. And I just can't, I can't keep up. She's but, the ocean and you're the creek, huh? The, yeah. It's like <laughs> I say, it's, it's amazing. I, it's a whole different bird, a world for a birder to walk through the woods yeah. than just the average Joe. I mean, what they hear and what we see is just two totally different things. But you know, for the average Joe, picking out those two or three or four birds that he can see and hear and stuff like that, that's, it's got to be as fulfilling as what she does, you know? I, I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah. And, you know, along these lines, it's not just birds that this habitat helps. Sure. I mean, it's it's everything. I mean, yeah. when you start doing this work, you start seeing more fox squirrels, uh, rabbits, you know. It helps the deer and the turkey. It's more yeah. deer, browse for deer. It's more nesting areas for turkeys. Rats. You know. <laughs> Rats and mice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then that goes, you know, you throw in coyotes and all, that's the, the rats and the mice are good food for coyotes. Sure. It takes the pressure off of bobwhites. Yep. It's it's a win-win. And depending on where you're doing this habitat work, you know, if you're doing it up in the upstate, if you're in the high enough elevation, you might start seeing, you know. Grouse. Go, grouse. Grouse, Golden yep. wing warblers. Okay. Appalachian cottontails. Um, if you're doing it in the low country, you pick up all kind of wild and crazy perp species, you know. Yeah, yep. Go for Tortoise, sure. Indigos, well, we don't have indigos. We don't have but, any of these. Um, go for frogs. I mean, okay. just flatwood salamanders. Just, just cool stuff happens when you start messing with <laughs> with active active management. I, so. I had a ray of sunshine before we came on the air that that you said you might use, and then you can use it. Fine, and my ray of sunshine was, you know, man- managing habitat for small game is managing habitat for all game. I just just take the SM off it. Of, that was not planned. That's not something I've ever thought about before, but it just came to me that when we were talking before the show, you know. It's, I think it's fantastic. Though. Yeah. I, I love that quote. So we're going we're gonna to enjoy I'm that. I'm going to steal it. Go right ahead. Use it freely anytime you want to. Even take credit for it if you want to. <laughs> nah, I'm not going to go so far as to do that. I'll give you all the credit on that one. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to enjoy that one because that's like one of your few. That's one of my time. few. That's right. Um, small game surveys are out. How yeah. how important is the data you all get from these surveys? It, it's, it's very important. Um, you know, small game hunters – we don't get a lot of information from. Okay. Um, we, d- we don't have the dedicated funding sources that other programs have, and so we can't do these big mail-out surveys for like you do for deer and turkey sure. and all that. So we have to rely on these volunteer-based surveys, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're hugely important. I mean, we still want the data. Um, we try hard to get the data. Um, but, like I say, it's it's – it's it's a little tough. It's um, you know you got to remember when you hunt and where you hunt and all right. that stuff and 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 remember to send in the data. So it's it's a little bit more involved than just answering a, a questionnaire. But yeah, it's 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 hugely important for us. I mean, we've got a data set going back on whale hunters. Um, it's thirty some odd years now, and you know it's nice to be able to have that data set. Look at the trends. 
piece that together with your other your whistle counts in the summer, your your fall cubby counts. It, it's all a piece of the pie. So that that data goes a long way. And you know, we do rabbit hunter surveys, quail hunter surveys, and then we every other year on even numbered years we do a fox squirrel survey. And that's not a hunting survey; it's just a have you seen fox squirrels? Okay. And if so, where? Um, you can find if you go to yeah. the DNR website. I'm sitting here can, looking at it. Yeah. If you go up into the right hand corner, put in small game survey yep. and hit go, it'll find it for you. Yeah. And and you can either sign up and do these surveys online, which is what I've done. I've okay. I've I've saved the the links to an icon on my phone. When I get done hunting it that afternoon, I sit there in the truck, enter the data, huh. and I'm done. Okay. Um, you can also do a paper hard copy. Um, you can request a hard copy paper, and we'll mail you a packet, and it'll have the same information. You just have to fill it out on a piece of paper and mail it back in, and, you know, it'll obviously come with the prepaid postage and all that. Um, one thing, when you sign up for the Bob White survey, Hunter survey, um, we will send you a packet, and it'll have a couple little ID cards. We'd love to get the wings from you. Okay. Um, we use those those wings to get a pretty good idea of what's going on population-wise across the state. You know, you can age and sex a, a bird and gain a lot of information. So, you know, yeah, that's 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 a huge, tremendous help to us. And, and in the past couple of years, we've, we've been losing hunters, uh, both as they age out and, sure. and, you know, just it's part of it. So, yeah. Any anybody wants to participate, just give me a shout, shoot me an email, I will put you on the list. Good information in, good um good management decisions out, right? That's it. That's it. Uh it's winter time. Now as winter as we can get. We got about two minutes here. Uh but it is winter. Uh habitat work doesn't stop in the winter. You know, I'm we're planning now for springtime. But there's some stuff you can do. I mean, you, you and I have talked about wintertime disking. You know, springtime yes. is prescribed burning time for the is the prime prescribed fire time. So take a couple minutes and uh, about a minute and a half now, maybe two minutes. Talk about what you can, we can fit in, and we'll carry it over if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. So wintertime is prime time when you're talking about Bob White habitat management. Okay. Um, if if you can do the burning like you're talking about, um. Now's the time to start setting up your fire breaks, getting pre- prepared for your burn season. Um, you know, because it's, it's the wet time of the year, and you can't just, at the drop of the hat, go out freshen up your fire breaks. You know, you got to have yes. decent weather. I mean, it's got to yep. be dry enough to get your tractor in hand from the disc. That's it. But along those lines, now's the time, if you've got, you know, old field edges that you need to work up, uh, odd field corners, um, you know, just random strip disking through your open woods. Okay. Now's the time to be doing it. Um, you can winter disk from November to about mid-February. And and typically the rule of thumb is if you disk in November and December, uh-huh. you'll get your forbs and weedy species, your broadleaf weeds. Okay. You disk in January and February, you tend to get your grasses. Okay. So... If you need more brood habitat on your land, try to disk in November and December. If you need more nesting habitat, do it in January and February. But, I mean, you know, now's the time. Folks are sitting around on a Saturday. 
They don't have anything to do. They want to get out. If they're not bird hunting, go get on the tractor. Drop the disc. You know, create some bird habitat. It's it's pretty rewarding. It's it's like mowing the lawn. You get out there, <laughs> you, you can see where you've been. You go, I have created some bird habitat. And the really cool part is when you go back in the spring, right? It's amazing the difference. Right. Of, of what's there versus where you have not disc. I mean, the amount of seed that's in a seed bank in South Carolina is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. just waiting to be untapped. Yep. Or you know, it's it's untapped. It's waiting to be <laughs> it's, it's it's waiting to sprout. All right. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, y'all hang on. Let's take another break. Uh, Michael, you're on the road driving. We'll eat up another segment if that's what it's all right with you. So y'all hang on. More with uh, Michael Hook when we get back. Know this song. I do know this. We had a fun game of 80s trivia (laughs) on the way to the farm the other day. And um, I think I did pretty good. You did. What do you do when you're trapped in the car for an hour and a half with your teenager going deer hunting? You hook up the Bluetooth and you pull up YouTube and you just start randomly going through 80s. Rock and roll. And you did well. You did pretty good. Actually, didn't I get that for you for Christmas, that little Bluetooth? You did. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm the best I know. (laughs) You don't have to tell me. I'm not going to tell you. But you did all right. But you got a a long way to go. REO Speedwagon (laughs) and Sticks give you lots of problems. Yeah, they do. I miss it like four times each. Ah. Uh, But once you get the voices down and the the way the music sounds, no, they don't. Don't don't ever say that. They all sound the same. Blasphemy. Heresy. Stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, welcome back to the final segment of Woods and Water South Carolina for today. Uh, Have been, just had a ball with Michael Hook. we we always have a ball. We just don't have a ball long enough or often enough, Michael. And we, we've still got to get that roundtable together. I agree. Man, I agree. It, it just seems like everything gets in the way of doing that. But yeah, that that would and that actually that would be a great podcast instead You're of the right. radio show. Just do a separate podcast and just and however long we ramble on is however long we ramble on. I think it would be absolutely uh, fascinating. It'd be I, fun for me to listen to other people talk about it too. Yep, yep, I agree. I, I'd be right there with you. Well, let's uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, of specific habitat. I don't know what you want to say, projects or <laughs> or or what you can do, Taylor. I think you've uh, you've kind of co-opted one of my questions there. Yeah, I did. Go ahead. <laughs> so, shrub lesbians for quail. Is it still good to plant or? No, if not, what's a good substitute for it? I, I've I've still got plants I dibbled in in the early '90s that are alive. So, where do, what do we go? What are we doing now? So, is it still good? Is it still good for the birds? Do they still use it? Is it still good cover? Does it still provide food? Yes, um, but it can be a little bit invasive. Yeah, um, depending on your soil type. Uh, it, it, it can get away from you. Okay. Um, and I, I have seen some properties that 
it was really invasive. I mean, it was just wall to wall, and and as with anything, a, a little bit is good, a lot is not. Okay. Um, so you know, if you've got it on your property and it's staying put, keep managing it. I mean, the birds are going to use it, um, and to manage it, it's it's like most any other early successional stuff. You got to mow it down. And let it start coming back up. It can get too thick. It can get okay. too rank for the birds to use. Okay. So you you have to refresh it every now and then. But but yeah, I mean, it's, it can be invasive, and and most it's it's hard to find to buy today. You can find the seeds, but you cannot find the plants like you used to. Oh really? To develop? No. Oh um, man, I, but, I, I'd hate to say how many bare root plants uh, I've dibbled in. Back in the day, the the DNR sold millions and millions of them. So, like I say, it was it was one of those things. Yeah. But you live and learn, and sure. just like kudzu was brought in and turned out to be invasive, <laughs> bi- bi- color can be invasive as well. So, but like I say, on on certain soils, it it does just what it's supposed to do. It stays right where you put it, and, okay. and and it can be good quail habitat. But you can get that habitat from from other areas as well. I mean, a big, you know, well, Roger, you think about it, the hedgerows y'all used to have back on the farm. Sure. They were full of uh, honeysuckle, <laughs> briars. That's the same thing that 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 shrub lesbadiza is providing. Sure. It's hard woody cover in the middle of the wintertime. Right. And then it's providing food and bugs throughout the rest of the year. So, you know, that escape cover is... Is is usually the biggest thing that's missing when I do a landowner site visit. Um, you know, they, they'll picture the the pretty pine plantation with all the grass underneath it. Right. Well, what they what what they don't think about is all that is is nesting area. Uh, the grasses is nesting. Well, those birds still need brood area and and escape cover. And more often than not, it's the escape cover that's the limiting factor. So, you know. You want escape cover every hundred or two hundred yards. So okay. you want a big old clump of of briars every two hundred yards. You want a big old clump of, of of short pine trees. I mean, you know, five, six, seven foot tall pine sure. trees. Yeah, th- that's escape cover. As yeah. much as I hate to admit it, sweet gum can be escape oh. cover. <laughs> that's one of the redeeming factors of sweet gum if there is one. Um, as a habitat manager, I can't I can't say as I, I like sweet gum all that much, but sure. the, it does create some some escape cover. And if you kill a bird this time of year, you're most likely going to find two things in their crawl, and that's one is sweet gum seeds. Okay, and and you mentioned the other one off air, and and that's that's pine seed. Yeah. So you know. It's it's just simple availability. Bob whites okay. are going to use what they can find, and they'll they'll eat almost anything that they can fit in their mouth. But but this time of year, you'll find a bunch of that around, so they're going to eat a bunch of it. Speaking of pine trees and 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 all you know the nuts and and y'all y'all shared a video uh, of a of the pine nuts and seeds out of a, a craw of a quail, um, and you know. Pines being the predominant, I guess, forested crop here in South Carolina. There's tons yep. of it. What can you do to help or add to that pine habitat? 
in whatever stage it's in. Create disturbance um, by any means necessary. Um, you know, if you've got a pine stand that you can get a little bit of light to the ground, if you can create disturbance, uh, you're doing something. Okay. Whether that's with fire or the disc or even grazing in there. I mean, there's some civil pasture work being done here in South Carolina, and they're using cows to do this work for us. Huh. Um, you know, so you're making money on the trees, you're making money on the cows, and you're getting good wildlife habitat. Free fertilizer. But, Yes, there you go. But, I mean, it's it's just disturbance. Okay. Bob-like quail are early successional species. They're going to use that scrubby, nasty, weedy-looking junk. That's that's beautiful to a bob-white, and it's it's providing all their lifestyle or life life um, needs right there. Okay. You know, it's it's root area, it's nesting area, it's escape cover. Um, you don't have to plant for bob-whites. It just just doing some winter discing, creating that mess, that's enough. You can plant for wildlife, and yeah. it does help, and it helps sure. concentrate. Sure. Um, and if you are going to plant, you know, I like a big mixture of stuff. So Why not? All great. Yeah, I mean, Wanamaker Seed, right down in St. Matthews, I, I bought his seed for the first time this year. He's got a DNR quail mix. I, I'm trying to remember. It's got buckwheat in it. Yep. Uh, it's got Egyptian wheat in it. Yep. Um, it's brown top millet. Brown top is sor- sorghum. sorghum. Yeah. Egy- Egyptian wheat yep. and uh, sesame. Sesame. And yep. man, I tell you, I don't know anything about sesame, but it looks really good. It takes a it long does. time to mature, though. Goodness gracious, it, it takes a long time to mature. And and <laughs> Mr. Watermaker, we 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 developed that that mix. Okay. I don't know decades ago and we have to put it out for bid and mr wanamaker gets it a good most years he'll get that bid okay and uh but then he's he realized other folks want it and he started selling it but the idea behind that one is you know the brown top millet comes off first it comes off early 67 days ready to go yeah and Mm -hmm. so then the rest of them come off throughout the year with sesame the yeah, the sesame all being almost last. Yeah. And then that Egyptian wheat being dead last. So you'll have something coming off from September to February. There'll be seed on the ground throughout that whole time period. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the, the thought process behind that. Okay. You know, that Egyptian wheat, too, it, it provides some good escape cover, too. I mean, it's it's a oh, yeah. big, tall weed. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's... It's a mess to walk through. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you can see why birds would like it. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that, oh, okay. that was it. Okay. That, you know, it, scatter a little bit of that around your early successional habitat, you'd have some good days in the field. And and that's, that's uh, it's amazing because, you know, people like me and, you know, I sit behind the desk most of my life and, when I get a pl- right chance, yeah. When I get a chance to go out, I want to do something. I want to turn some dirt over. I want to plant some stuff, and all. And, and but you've got to have that mix. You got to have the stuff that'll keep him year round, and then just add in that that extra food source during the hard times of the year. You know, yep. I mean, I've got so much. I mean, the sorghum heads this year were as big as my forearm. You know, the corn was eight feet tall. That Egyptian wheat's twelve, fourteen foot tall, and it's nothing like seeing a cardinal hanging upside down on the head of Egyptian <laughs> wheat, picking seeds off of it. It's amazing to watch them, but it's 
I, I love it, and, and you're exactly right. And, and we're running out of time here. Um, but, you know, when you, when you put in some effort, and it is effort, and it may take you years to realize anything, but let me tell you what, the, that, that whistle, hearing that whistle in the summertime, seeing that, those nesting covey pairs, you know, during the summertime, and then watching a covey fly across a scene that you witnessed thousands of times as a kid, man, it, it is all worth it. I, I agree with all you. Worth it. And I'll tell you, don't be, scared to take a bird or two. If, you, if you're doing all this work, the, they, they're going to die one way or the other. Take take one or two birds out of a covey if you've got them. It, it makes it just that much sweeter. <laughs> uh, that's going to be hard for me to do. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Michael, I, I really appreciate you being on the show today, taking your time to be here. Let's don't let two years go by before we do this again. Because there's I other agree. stuff we can talk about in the in the fall or in our next spring again, and uh, but I appreciate it. Keep it the good work. Don't hesitate to yep. call me if you need something, and uh, and we'll do this again. I appreciate it. And from um, Wow Taylor, great show. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate y'all having me. It was, it was um, nice to talk to both of you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, look, everybody. As always. Make time to get out there. Take the back rows when you can. And don't forget that camera. We'll see you back here next week with another hour of Woods and Water, South Carolina. Can't you just feel the moonshine?